Do you want me to introduce it? I do sure do. do. That? I sure. All right. This it's, it's been it's been like three weeks. It, it's it feels longer than that. Are you sure? Yes. Just three weeks. Uh, maybe more. Well, we saw each other two weeks ago. Right. And we we didn't record. So we didn't record the week three. before that. That's three or four weeks. Yeah. I feel like it shows or sounds. I feel like it sounds. But let's do this. I'm excited to do it. I'm, I'm excited that I was going to save the excitement for the show, but I'll say it now. It was really nice to see you and I had a really great time on Sunday. It was awesome. That we were it was out. awesome. It was too short. It was very short. Okay. Well, that's out of the way. Let's do this. Are you ready? Sure. Are you set? This is going to go well. <laughs> You're very confident. Hey everyone ever, and welcome to 20th Century Popcast, the show where we try to understand the present by living in the past. My name is Tim Blevins. And I am Bob Canning. And had you and I not just talked for 17 minutes, I was going to express how excited it I was to finally be talking to you again. <laughs> again, I know. It's been a few it's weeks. Been, it has. But there was a nice little uh, event in between this podcast recording break that I, I very much enjoyed. You're a married man now. I am. I thought you were going to say it was the Howard the Duck audio commentary or the LA story. But yeah, I'm a married man. Bob and I, for the listeners who are still listening after last week's lengthy episode, um, Bob hasn't been on the show for a couple weeks, Just it, and it's been coordinating, schedule coordination issues as will happen. But yeah, two weeks ago, I got married. Bob came all the way out from the West Coast to this East Coast to, uh, to be uh, part of that, and we got to hang out, and we got to talk, and uh, so it was great to see you, and it's also great that you're on the show, because I had a very hard time putting pulling an episode together uh, without you last week, and also the so, so welcome back. Yeah, it's good to be back. I'm, I'm glad we're doing this again mm-hmm. and continue to do it. Um, well, we'll I, see. We'll see if we'll continue to do it after that. I think we'll continue. I hope so. Um, yeah. It's too bad we didn't have a chance to sit down and, and record one in person because that, that I'm, I'm very interested to see what that might be like to actually get visual cues from you as we're, we're talking instead of um, just trying to interject unknowingly mm-hmm. uh, as we as we discuss things but uh yeah we're back yeah and i'm sorry about that recording thing it was that or do the cake cutting and we went for the cake cutting so sorry but yeah someday no, 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 maybe we'll record in person good. someday it's fine i mean we had a live audience ready to go but sure i guess your guests would rather celebrate your marriage than the material we wrote after the marriage. Yes, they'd rather celebrate the actual marriage. So let's play some <laughs> clips from that. No, let's not. But uh, but yeah, someday that would be great. If you want to have that happen, listeners, cash for an airplane <laughs> flight. Oh, that was rough. <laughs> this feels a little rough, right? A little. We we got we got to dust off the, you know. The you, stuff. What are we dusting off? I don't know. Well, the last time it was blow off some dust. You said that once before after a brief hiatus of the show. <laughs> did, did I really? Um, the episode was a music one, so it might have been the Paul Westerberg one. We hadn't recorded in a couple of weeks. <laughs> and my observation of that was followed up. I was going to blow off the dust and uh, whatever else <laughs> came next. So that's what we're trying to do, folks. We're blowing off the dust. And what's underneath that filth, <laughs> that film of... What what's in dust? What is it? Skin? I don't even. I'm I'm not sure. It can be. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Is there a podcast about that? Because if not, <laughs> we're not splintering <laughs> off. No, today we're not talking about dust today so much as we are talking. Uh, well, Bob, what are we talking about today? T- today we are going back and we're going to talk about Perfect Strangers, hmm. a show that I think we've mentioned numerous times, actually. Yeah, which is odd. I'm not sure. It's it's come up. Um, I know it came up on the TV theme episode, but I think you're right. Was this show a big part of your life? Was this as impactive to you as a kid as it has been in conversation here on the show? <laughs> yes. Um, it was one of the early can't-miss television programs of my youth. 
Perfect um, Strangers was. Perfect Strangers, yeah. The whole family enjoyed it. My mom, my brother, and I uh, very much enjoyed the the comedic stylings of Balky <laughs> Bartokamus and Larry. It's like an odd couple kind of thing. It's two yeah. you know, separate individuals. They're cousins living in the same apartment. And um, so uh, the, right off the bat, and what we're doing today, sorry, wow. What we're doing today is a binge podcast. You and I um, watched four episodes of Perfect Strangers because it recently came to Hulu. Yeah. It's on Hulu and reruns, and you, and you you picked randomly, semi-randomly. I, I'm not sure what drove you to pick from the second season, but you picked four episodes from the second season. Yeah, I picked about. randomly, although I kind of skimmed and scanned through the synopsis, and I saw that uh, one of the episodes that I picked had um, – um, the landlord, and now all of a sudden I can't remember his name. Mr. Twinkasetti. Twinkasetti, yes. And I know you're a big fan of Mr. Twinkasetti, so I wanted to make sure that I am. And I'm mistaking a different actor for him too, but yes, no, I, I am. But uh, real quick, uh, just in case the listeners don't know uh, what we're talking about or what, what this is, Perfect Strangers, like I said, was a comedy. It premiered uh, March 25th, uh, 1986. It was a mid-season replacement. I think like 13 episodes. And do you remember that? Do you remember when, when it actually debuted? I don't have that memory, no. It's one of those things that it just was on. Um, I don't mm-hmm. remember anticipating it. Um, I don't remember the first time I saw it. I just remember that it became And I know team. it came up on an episode that was about TV themes. So maybe on that episode we answer this. But when Perfect Strangers premiered, like what were you watching on TV? Were sitcoms kind of your 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 um, your angle to think your go-to? Or were you watching action shows? Like what was the general evening of TV watching for you? Um, you know, I'd, I'd have to look at the years to see if I'm lining these up correctly. But – um, the big shows I was watching around this time, and maybe it was before this, uh, was Knight Rider mm-hmm. and the and the A Team. My mother was watching Matlock. My mother, and so I was watching. So a lot of fast-paced action shows. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fast-paced action. Murder She Wrote uh, was on that list. Did you follow, um, did you watch full hours of that? Like, did you follow those shows? Our dramas did not. I never. I would watch them, but I did not. I did. Them. You did. I did. I watched. I watched all of Murder She Wrote. I sometimes would, uh, um, uh, and and I, a friend of mine did this as well. I would take notes during Murder She Wrote and try and figure it out. I thought that was. I thought that was what you were supposed to do. I guess as 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 a young viewer of, of mystery. Ideally, she would have already have done it prior to the prior to the episode. No, she's solving the mystery. But she wrote them first, I think. The gist of the, she's an author, isn't she? Isn't she, she kind of is. like Castle? She is, but she's living. She's not like recalling something she wrote. She's just living her life, and mystery follows her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then perhaps she'll turn that into a novel. But what we're seeing has not yet been turned into a novel, mm-hmm. or and it might not be. It might not be interesting enough. But it was it's interesting and it was interesting enough for it to be a television episode, I guess. Imagine if she had just happened to see all the stuff that happened at Guiana with the t- Jonestown, and then she wrote that book. Like, that's what she wrote. Okay. I watched sitcoms. I watched a lot of sitcoms, actually. Um, so Perfect Strangers, I, I seem to remember it coming up. Like, did you know who I – did you recognize the actors? Did you know them? Because they were both, I guess – up-and-coming names at the time of the show debuting. Yeah, no, I did not. I did not recognize the actors, and I always thought it was weird later to discover that uh, Bronson Pinchot was in, <laughs> you know, teen comedies, um, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh, was he? I just, I he was... Wasn't he? I don't know. I know he was coming off of Beverly Hills Cop, where he played this very sort of flamboyant... Right. Um, That's right. 80s version of a very not open-minded uh gay stereotype of of a, of a hairdresser what i don't know yeah was it, that's wasn't he in risky business i think or am i thinking of somebody else no you're correct he was in that yeah him and well you might be thinking of tom cruise who was not in this show but, right um yeah i guess he was and i i only vaguely knew him from beverly hills cop which i don't even know if i had seen all of i must have seen it on tv but marklin baker the uh, other cousin cousin larry i recognized him he was on moonlighting for an episode which i think is actually where they 
discovered him for this show. Mm. And he, he was, I think he was a Broadway actor or stage actor. I know he was in a film called my favorite year, which he's endearing in the movie itself. Not so much. Um, but uh, yeah, they weren't, I guess they weren't recognizable household names. So that's probably not what brought me to the show, but cause I was watching, I mean, the sitcoms I was watching were, were things about families, basically family sitcoms, family ties, I'm sure. And then, and, and, well, unfortunately the Cosby show or things like that. And then, you know, I probably was watching cheers. I was probably watching night court a little bit. Oh yeah. I did watch night court eventually. I don't think I, I don't know if I was watching it at this time, but I, I got into night court. And I mean, that that wasn't the kind of show I would normally follow. I guess it, uh, family shows is what I followed. And this, something like Perfect Strangers, it's not, I mean, I know that they're related, but it's it's it's, it's about to, I mean, I, this I was trying to figure out and actually it came up as a question if we start talking about the later episodes. How old do you think these two characters are? Oh, gosh. You know, when I was a kid, I thought they were pretty old. I thought they were, you know... 30s late 30s <laughs> i did ancient although to be honest i probably didn't like i didn't harp on that for too long they were just older they were adults um but yeah i guess re-watching it i guess they were supposed to be in their 20s right i don't know I, I can't i definitely can't gauge it for the performances right <laughs> and, I, and but i don't know if that it struck me as a kid. I mean, as a kid, I knew family structure. I knew if there were two parent characters, they were probably my parents' age. So they were nearing 40, if not 40. And then the kids, you, know, you base it on the high school. But I think in watching Perfect Strangers and watching two, you know, there were cousins, these two characters living on their own, working a job, stumbling through a relationship. As a kid, I, I, I didn't want to push it away and think like, oh, they're older than me. This is adult life. So, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 it never really struck me. You know, it's similar to like, like Pee Wee Herman or something where it's like I, I, they're kind of ageless in a yeah. way. Because, I mean, I felt like I could relate to the show. And, I mean, I was 11, I think, when this premiered. The show premiered 10 or 11. So, so I don't know. But – the, the, I wondered later in the episode because they're they're very childish. They're very there's a lot of prat falling and 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 all in the show. So I, it's 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 not a very realistic show in that setting. Like it's a very broad. I guess it's broad. It's stagey. It, it's yeah. it's like a like a like a theater like a show. Yeah. But um, which is probably again what I liked about it because it was different from the other shows I was watching. There isn't a lot of physical comedy on a typical family-based situation comedy you know you might have something where it's like oh they built the volcano for a class project and oh it exploded you know so there's that but you don't get a lot of like there's a lot of just yeah i don't know something about the show feels old-fashioned feels a little yeah three stooges or laurel and hardy or something like that and and you know well, it's even got like an i love lucy feel to it with some of the the set pieces of the comedy that they they have just in these episodes that we've seen. And I know that there's more, mm -hmm. um, but there's a couple in, in these episodes we watched that were very, you know, Lucy-esque <laughs> in, you know, the way they were bumbling through trying to hide things from, from, uh, from Ricky. Did you like, I love Lucy? Is that a show that you liked or like I now? Did, I didn't mind it. Yeah. I uh. mean, I, I, I watched it. it was on reruns after school or something. I would watch it. I would watch whole episodes. I might, maybe didn't quite get it all the time, but then there were bits that were funny, especially the physical stuff I thought was funny as a kid. And I respect it now. Really now? Sure. I mean, it groundbreaking. It's basically set the stage, as you know, for three camera sitcoms and, mm -hmm. and television for decades to come. I know and that now, but as, as, as a child, I mean, I wasn't. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, I'm saying uh, now. I respect it now as as an adult. I understand where it lies in the pantheon of television uh, programming. Yeah, as just, a kid, I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was uh, fine. I don't know. I mean, and I guess, actually, I know I was just saying I didn't know that, but it's like I did get the feeling as a kid that the show was important for some reason. Lucille Ball was a big name. But it just it was never engaging to me. I just couldn't honestly couldn't stand it. It was on at like one in the afternoon or one thirty or something. So to watch it meant I was either homesick or it was the summer. And it just felt like a waste of a half hour. I was not <laughs> a fan of it. And I must it must have led into something else. I don't know if it was Dick Van Dyke or whatever, but and it is weird because that show is probably 
what 30 years old by that point at that at that time by then but um it felt that show felt old, much older so it's odd that you're comparing perfect strangers to it because lucille ball was a very big fan of perfect strangers from that's what uh, in some of the just articles I was reading stuff, so she was a fan of what they were doing. She thought it was the smartest, you know, most unique programming on television. And I guess I'm just wondering, mm. I would disagree with that because it's a goofy show, but there, there was some, there's, and I don't know if it felt this way then, but watching it now, yeah, there's something that's very, at times it feels like a high school play. Sure. Like it's that broad and that loud and, and the sets are that false. But their rapport, I mean, they're 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 so much better than the material, I think, the two actors. Yeah. Or at least Larry. Well, I don't know exactly how I feel about Balky, but Larry, the Mark Lynn Baker character, he's kind of like a real world Bert from Ernie and Bert in the way. Like he's you know, he, he has low esteem, he has low stakes in life. You know, I don't think he's at least in the ones we're watching, he's not trying to achieve anything. It's weird. The show definitely changes and changes rapidly because eventually they're in this before we watch they're working yeah relatable shitty part-time job at a junk store is that what i, I don't or know a what second hand second hand store second hand store that gets deliveries of wax lips sure that gets deliveries of ronald reagan masks i mean i, I don't i don't know it sells it was, furniture but... and glassware and frisbees anything and props basically it's, basically. it's a prop sewing store <laughs> um is, is what it is but yeah they they work uh, eventually down the line on the show i think they become like news reporters and stuff but but for the for the era that i watched that's the other thing like i watched this show so dedicatedly but probably only for a block of maybe three years but on this and i think i was relating to what i liked is that on this show they were just bumbling living a life in an apartment and, and, and working a job and that for some reason was fascinating to me mm. you know and and I, I was 10 <laughs> i don't know where this was coming from or where this goes i just it's interesting to me that i was attracted to this program yeah not knowing it as a physical i mean i'm sure i got into that but i mean i think i liked this idea of, of sort of the low aspiration life of Larry. And then I don't know, I probably liked the xenophobic cutiness of Balky, to be honest. The the funny sounding I mean he's he's basically Greek, right? Yeah, I guess that's that's what he's Meposian. Mepos. I mm-hmm. made a place to yeah. not uh, insult anyone. Uh yeah, I think that was probably it for me too. Uh, Balky he, you know, like he's he's an adult living on his own, but he's very childlike uh, and innocent and new to the world, basically, even though he's, what is he, 47? Is that what we're going to agree on? <laughs> yeah, probably in, in he's a, a Meposian 50, <laughs> which I think is an American 46. So you're, you're close. It's a good average. But, uh, but yeah, he's, he's from another country, he comes to our country, and it's a whole culture clash. And, like, they're so different, but yet they're the same. And he's going to mispronounce words. And I don't know. In a lot of ways, he's like Latka from, from Taxi. You know, he's got an yeah. adorable accent. He talks funny. And he just doesn't get American culture when it's convenient not to get it. And then, of course, sometimes he's smarter than Larry. Like, what, 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 how do you feel about Balky? What are your thoughts on this character that, sadly, in the current political climate would probably be deported? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I've always liked Balky. As I got older, I liked him less. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I thought, you know, it was sort of a silly character. Um, and that's no. probably why I stopped watching it. You found Balky to be a oh, silly oh, character? Sure. Yeah, like you're saying. It's like when it's convenient, he doesn't know what's going on. Then, you know, obviously he, he understands enough. He lives in the world. Um, but coming back to it, I was like, wow, I can't believe how much I missed Balky. I really I very much enjoyed these episodes. And uh, yeah, I was it was just nice to have something sort of simple, but not bad. You know, it's it's not <laughs> it's not groundbreaking television, but it's like you're saying, like the, the actors, including Bronson Pinchot, 
uh, are better than the material and they, they make it work. Oh, they're, they're both great. No, I think they're both great. Let's, you know, let's get into the episode. Yeah, because the first episode we watched, I think, is very indicative of what we've been talking about, which is um, entitled Doggone Blues. <laughs> and that's all we've been talking about, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, I do. I, I say it's indicative because <clears throat> if I'm remembering correctly, because it's been a, a little while since I actually watched it, but I've got my notes here. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. Basically, Belky finds a dog on the street and brings it home, and they can't have a dog in the apartment. And Larry says what happened to the last tenant that had a dog in the apartment that got kicked out, and they can't let that happen. Uh, but the dog is too lovable, and Belky's big eyes and convinces Larry to keep the dog. So then they have some time hiding the dog, and Mr. Chukasetti shows up at one, a couple times. Uh, at first, they're successful, and then he finds out. But it all takes place pretty much <clears throat> in their apartment. And for for the majority mm-hmm. of the episode, it's just the two guys and the dog uh, with Twinkasetti coming in here and there. And they make it work. Like, it. It's so <clears throat> uh, stereotypical of your generic, you know, sitcom story. And I thought I would just be bored out of my mind as it was unraveling. But they're such likable actors and they just pulled it off. It's just the two of them going back and forth. There's not a lot that really happens. I have no sense of time in the episode. <laughs> I don't know how long they've had this dog. But like you're saying, it's like it's a set. It's a stage uh, you've got one angle most of the time, just showing them, you know, you know, cut back and forth for some close-ups, but it's just their apartment and the dog and some set pieces. And they've got some physical comedy where they're, uh, there's a knock at the door, Twigasetti's in the hall. And so they have to rush and hide the dog in, in one room. They've got to hide his food. They've got to spray some aerosol spray to mask the smell. They've got to sweep some uh, fur away. And it's all really fast because they don't want there to be any... Uh, uh, anything misconstrued about how long it takes them to get to the door or something like that. And I, and I think this episode just kind of sums up what we've been saying about how it's, it's not groundbreaking television, but they somehow really, I thought made it work. I, I was entertained by this weird half hour of television. What did you think? Well, I'm going to say thank you. Your description makes it sound like it's more intricate than it really <laughs> it is. Um, no, it's a, it's a very simplistic, low-stakes episode. Yeah. Like, it really is just from the, it opens right up with him having found the dog. So there's your issue. And then by the end of the episode, he's got to say goodbye to the dog. And there's some symbolic meaning behind it. This was a rough episode to start with. I It made me think I wasn't going to like this because it's just it's very blandly 80s sitcom like it because again it's just it felt like a punky brewster it felt like to reach back 10 years prior to this the brady bunch where it's just like i want the dog you can't have the dog now i'm attached to the dog and then we have an emotional moment of saying goodbye to the dog that we're supposed to well now hold on a second you're, you're misremembering that it wasn't an emotional moment of saying goodbye to the dog it was an emotional eight minutes (laughs) <laughs> of of Balky giving a monologue to the dog. It was just Balky and the dog for like eight minutes of him saying how important it was to meet him and how he's going to miss him and how he's going to have a good life now. And yeah, like you're saying, finding some meaning in the whole thing. But it was it went on forever and it was just Balky for like eight minutes. Yeah, and I guess the, to watch just this episode, and yes, I know the show, so I was anticipating... And stuck with it, whatever. But who is this for? Like, is this a kid <laughs> show? Is this an adult show? I mean, yeah, it's. I, I I had that same question because this episode, um, I thought, oh, my kids could watch this. I wonder if I'm gonna, you know, introduce Perfect Strangers to my kids. Uh, but then you get into the next episodes, and you're right. It's like, well, maybe not so much. Maybe they got to be a little older because you get into relationships and dating and and divorce and and whatnot. Um, well, you get into sitcom variations on sitcom, all of that, yeah. which is just heavy in this. I mean, does the show feel like it's improvised, sort of? <laughs> like, does it feel scripted? Or does it feel like they're kind of making up bits? Maybe not right there in the moment, but it's kind of like a typical perfect stranger script might open up and be seven pages. <laughs> it might say, like, Larry and Balky bring a couch into the apartment. Possible outcomes include, and then it's just a list of physical <laughs> gags because 
they're very good at it. And they ex- maybe this is the I Love Lucy comparison. They accelerate it. And it's situation comedy, very broad comedy. But nothing <laughs> happens <laughs> in this episode. Like nothing. Yeah. And yet somehow it's supposed to have this emotional tie off. It just it was very formulaic. But to get into the next one, this um the second episode was called Since I Lost My Baby, and it's a Mr. Twinkasetti episode, who is the uh who is their landlord but also their boss. Yeah, he, he, I get this he, if I'm remembering he owns the building. Um and okay, in the bottom floor there. of the building is the store which he owns and runs, and they work at the store. So I believe they live above the store. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he owns okay so yes yeah, he's very much part of their life and he's played by ernie sabella plays puma and the lion king and is just he is a great again he's they're wonderful actors the three of them yeah and they know what they're doing he does a classic like i can't believe this guy stare that's kind of ernie sabella's <laughs> bit it's like everything's just like rolling his eyes like i, I don't get this and what's weird is i vividly remember this episode like you, you, I think, I don't know if you mentioned that, but the, oh, the four you picked, not so much as the doggone blues one. What was the dog's name? I have it written down and I can't read my page. Um, I didn't write it down. I don't have it written down. I have written down that he, uh, that Balky referred to Lassie as lousy. <laughs> That's kind of funny. I wrote that down. <laughs> <laughs> but coming off of that episode, the lousy episode. Um, I remember this must have been the string of the show I was watching. And it probably was this and then the following season and I probably stopped because these this was so ingrained in my head. My friend Nate and I were both huge fans of the show. And this episode happened happened to be one that he had on videotape. He had taped it. Um, I feel like back then in the 80s, like taping – like. I didn't rewatch things the way I watch them now. I, I would randomly tape stuff. You know, like if I had a favorite show, I would tape one episode mm. and be on this tape wedged between like, uh, you know, an ABC Sunday night movie and a sporting event. So that was kind of where that existed or lived. And, you know, we'd take out the tape when we wanted to watch the show. If it wasn't on, we'd watch this one episode. And um, I, I feel like these that you picked <laughs> happened to be a string where I and Nate each alternatedly taped them because I remember them very vividly. And it's just, it's a different way of approaching a show, I think. Like these are, this isn't a show that you need the narrative push yeah. of it. But I think as a kid, I loved the show, but I just, I would rewatch the ones we had on tape and it was r- random. Like, did you tape a lot of sitcoms? Do you tape the TV shows that you watched? And if you, watch them did you keep them on tape or are you just taping no no uh, i didn't tape i didn't have a vcr until um high school and you know it was like junior high school and even then i can't even remember i think what we got first was a a video player not a recorder um Mm -hmm. so no i never i never recorded growing up we we did and again it wasn't like we have to get the whole series but just like there'd be a week where we decide to tape it for some reason and this and then the episode after this, uh, which when we get to that, actually, that's the episode. That's probably my favorite episode. I mean, we happen to talk about it here. But these, something about having had them on cassette that this already had, when this episode started, I was I was totally hooked mm. again. I had the nostalgia because I just watched it so much. I experienced it on this little withered videotape where we fast forwarded the commercial. So seeing it now on my TV on Hulu in a different angle at a different age kind of blew my mind a little like this this really made me this was one of the few times on the show where we're talking about something and in watching it i was transported back to exactly how i watched it where i was the sense memories of it i don't know why that is i don't think i quite went into watching these perfect strangers realizing that this was a big deal for about two years for me the show was a, a big deal you know, I find that happens to me when it's something I haven't gone back to since. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't had anything um, change or disrupt of that memory. It's not like, oh, I watched it then, and I also watched it then, and I also watched it then. That's true. We, we, we weren't were, watching this together through high school, I mean, no. through college and, and after college. So maybe yeah. maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's the, the going back to it and just sitting there and kind of going back to it. Like, did you enjoy... Are you entertained by this episode? 
Uh, I was. I actually was. I was in, entertained and uh, enjoyed all four of these episodes. Okay, I enjoyed. Maybe, maybe not the last one so much. But, um, <laughs> oh, that the last one is the one that made me ask: Is this a show for kids? I think that's my only note on that. But um, <laughs> no, this. I mean, this is another typical sitcom plot. You know, like Mr. Twinkie said, he is a louse. He's a crude. Yeah. Crow magnet of a man. He's married, but she wants a divorce because he forgot her anniversary. He gets kicked out of the house. He goes and he lives with the guys for a little bit. He's a horrible guest. And then he gets back together uh, through sex, which is basically the, the, the <laughs> angle of the show that sex brings it back together. And it's simplistic and, and, and formulaic and it's very entertaining. And Yes, the three of them are are amazing and really good, and any other performer is not. <laughs> like his wife is a dull character, but she's also the only. Oh, well, I guess in the dog episode, the kids who came in to get the dog, they're the characters. It's like this show doesn't bring in other characters very well. It's kind of just the core two, and Mister Twinkasetti does well. Well, and then but- Jennifer and Marianne. Well, they're, they're coming into the next. Were they on this one? They might have been. They're in the next one. The next one, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we can talk about that. I mean, if, if, if you want. Jennifer and Marianne are the girlfriends of Balky and Larry. Supposedly teamed up. Uh, Jennifer is tall and serious. <laughs> and Marianne is short and ditzy. That's why she's with Balky, I guess. And I don't know. I, I, yeah. I guess she was entertaining. She was doing something that was entertaining. But, but Wait, Jennifer. Which one? Marianne. Did see one Marianne? Sure. Yeah, but Jennifer was just like the straight person to the whole thing. Right. Kind of like Yeah, it was basically I always I always just kind of felt like they were the female version of of Larry and and Balky. But 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 Larry is hilariously neurotic and a bit of a schemer and again, so so, so hates himself. That might be the big driest <laughs> character in Larry Appleton. We have a character who honestly hates himself <laughs> and it's hilarious and Balky loves him and that's the whole thing Balky's helping him embrace life he's a square he's a stiff but he loathes himself so much which I think one of the reasons we're talking about this is that the first time Bob and I talked about Perfect Strangers was on an episode about TV themes and we didn't even talk yet about the opening theme to this show the very triumphant like standing tall on the wings of my dream theme song and the show opens up with that, with them like both going to pursue their dreams. You see a very serious Larry in his car driving to Chicago with his entire life packed on the roof. And he works in a shithole shop. <laughs> and he has to split his rent with a cousin from another country who sleeps on the couch. He has no privacy. Like if he walks out of his bedroom, Balky is there. If he comes home, Balky is there. He has a horrible life. And he came here for that. I don't know how long he's been in Chicago when the show started because it, it, it makes it look like their trip coming in was at the same time. They're both coming to Chicago, but he just can't do anything, <laughs> which I think is the brilliance of his character. I mean, did you find it kind of sad that this was the life he had to, to settle for? Um, it, it never really dawned on me. Uh, watching this, it didn't. It didn't come into your mind that this is a guy who settled. No, not growing up, and and it, and I think no, not growing up, I guess, but on this viewing, this yeah, time, on this like viewing, I it. I don't, I wasn't really. I I guess it was as I'm watching it. I guess I kind of went into nostalgia mode and and uh, and not uh, analysis mode, and so it was more just I I kind of had the the nostalgia of of watching it. Uh, in my living room with my brother, well, sure, and and so yeah, it didn't it didn't strike me how sad his life was. Um, it it uh, in fact, I mean, honestly, I I was more attached to the warm feeling of it, not just the nostalgia of it, but the warm feeling of having Balky there as as someone who who just is there for him, like it, through his struggles. Um, there's always Balky to give him the hug and the 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 pep talk to get through it. Which is the structure of this show. Yeah. I mean, I, I know at least in these first three, I don't remember if it is in the last one, we're given a, a hilarious situation. They, you know, something they have to do together. You know, we got to get Mr. Twinkie city out of our apartment. We get, we got to find a home for this dog. This, um, 
we were going to make dinner for the girls, whatever it is. So that gets introduced. There's a little bit of misunderstanding between the cultures. But yeah, each episode then ends with a very serious speech. Like a very serious, I guess uh, this is how life works. We're not that different or whatever. And I don't know, that's just depressing. That's someone trying to reaffirm themselves with words only. Like I just, I don't know. I, I It's nice that Balky is there for Larry and I guess that's helping. Which then begs the question, if Balky wasn't there, I mean, should we be worried for Larry? I mean, he really is similar to the Bert character, similar to these characters who find like, I collect stamps and it's interesting. His life is a sham, <laughs> a sad fucking sham. That's true. Yeah. And I don't think like you're saying with with your nostalgia, I didn't see that as a kid. I was attracted to this show as a kid because I guess unlike the family sitcoms, I was watching, I mean, it was about two friends living in the city, you know, it was about two friends living together in an apartment, working a job. And, and I think that's, that was probably endearing to me. This is probably my first inkling of the idea of a roommate of this idea of, you know, you live with mm. someone and, and you can have crazy, you know, like, I mean, we've watched, you and I have watched plenty of friends, plenty of Seinfeld, uh, plenty of probably other shows where, where, you know, it's characters living together, you know, characters who are friends, characters who are roommates, roomies, whatever. And we've mimicked that and, or lived our life in, in a parallel of that. And I wonder, did that start with perfect strangers? Is there something endearing within the show that I was drawn to where it's like, I could do that. Is this another show where it's like, I want to be the character. I want to mimic the character and I can do that. And did I, I mean, like, I don't know the, the nostalgia you're, you're feeling for watching this with your brother. Like I said, with that first one, I had the sense memory of where I was sitting with it. But the more I watched it, I got nostalgic for living in an apartment. I mean, we had also part of this is we had just seen each yeah. other, you and I at the wedding. So there is this like watching this show, similar to when I watch Friends, there is this nostalgia for that weird time of where it's not failure, where you're kind of just suspended in time, like that apartment living. I was nostalgia, nostalgic, excuse me, for that and realized I used to, we used to, I know we've talked about this before, we used to create ourselves sitcom yeah. realities, sitcom situations and act them out. I know we've talked this into <laughs> the ground. It's just in watching the show, I always think it was Friends, it was Seinfeld, but may, I, I, you know that, that triggered that. But I wonder if this was the template because it was broad to appeal to kids with the yeah. slapstick. I was, you know, that's not something I can do, but. Isn't it, Tim? I think we've done our fair share of, of slapstick here and there, usually alcohol-induced, but it, it, it's happened. We have fallen down. That's true. <laughs> but no, yeah, no, that, that's not, that's not uh, too far-fetched. Um, just even subconsciously, it just, just sort of planted the seed as, as to something that, uh, that you longed for. And, and I think, you know, we definitely enjoyed those times um that was definitely something uh that yeah that i i don't regret our time i don't regret the the apartment living the roommate life um and maybe it was balky and larry that made it okay to to have that wow that that doesn't make any sense well i mean like as it (laughs) as as a kid i don't know i mean did you grasp the idea that they you know like this is something you would have to do someday like did you look at them as roommates and think someday i'll have a roommate um i don't i don't think so i don't think that really popped into my head um but you know it could have been on a subconscious level there i mean i'm trying to think about other shows that i i watched at the time and what i thought like I know I, I watched you mentioned Family Ties. I watched mm-hmm. Family Ties and I kind of would wa- I kind of wanted to be Alex P. Keaton like uh when I got older and into high school. You Republican fascist. I didn't want to be Republican, but I wanted to be book smart. I wanted to 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 be confident. I wanted to to have that aspect yeah, of Yeah, it's a character closer in age. That's 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 a, it's yeah, a teenager. Yeah, a teenager. and so it was it was easy for me to make that leap. I don't think I made that I I don't I didn't make that leap 
watching Perfect Strangers. Did it look ridiculous to you? Like, did it seem ridiculous the life that they were they were they had the actions they were taking? No, not at the time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even now, I I realize it's a sitcom, so it <laughs> it, it it's it still seems realistic within the world of of what you know what it's created the world it, it's in mm-hmm. um, but yeah no i mean i i eventually grew out of balky and, <laughs> and felt he was ridiculous um <laughs> that's yeah i did that i totally forgot i totally <laughs> forgot that line I, really? I totally, I totally. That's one of the lines that my dad said that line all the time. This was a show that my dad also enjoyed, although I think he only saw one or two episodes. One of which was the third episode, <laughs> "Trouble in Paradise," this where they make the dinner for the for the girls. This yeah. is an episode. I'm sorry, the girls for 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 Jennifer and Marianne. Um, this is an episode that was watched a lot in our house because this is one I had on videotape. I have no idea what it was. This and it was a head of the class episode, and they were back to back. Uh, we used to class. watch this uh, uh head of the class uh, go go watch class. i loved it <laughs> and this is i mean this is that you know that the heart of nostalgia there are plenty of things i loved that don't <laughs> hold up and head of the class much like alf sort of a more earthbound <laughs> alf does not hold up but this this particular episode this trouble in paradise episode i knew it word for word Beat for beat, I knew everything that was going to happen. I knew the pacing. I was surprised how much this episode came back to me. I haven't seen this episode in probably 28 years. But we used to watch it every day. And it is entertaining. And it is funny. And this is the one that kind of I got nostalgic for watching. Because I was like, I've done this. The calamity situation, like the girls are coming, what are we going to do? And they just, they fumble around and they make a weird meal and they get into a fight. And I mean, there are lines from this episode that I use and there, there are jokes from this episode that I've used that I probably still use. There's, um, one of them, um, there's, uh, right after Balky asks the girls to come for dinner, they, cause they're, uh, flight attendants and they come in and they're tired and, and Balky says, because I think Larry had just been saying, you know, how do I got to get to know Jennifer more? So Balky invites them to dinner and, and Larry kind of plays on like, it's a good idea. And after they leave, Larry goes to Balky, why did you do that? And Balky says, do what? And Larry goes, ask the girls to dinner. And then Balky goes, I just did. I mean, you know, cause he's not getting the pacing of it. Mm-hmm. Did I, did I do that justice? I think so. <laughs> why did you do that do what ask the girls to dinner i just did no why did you do it like it's just i i do variations of that to this day where i misunderstand (laughs) the question in a way to think it's you know like the statement and going back and forth and i just this is an episode that i think shaped there's a mania in this episode yeah and there's a doing something hilarious you know just just doing something hilariously to try to get it done that is typical sitcom behavior, wonderful sitcom behavior. It was very warm, was very inviting. And that is an example of something where I thought that's what life is. That's a relationship. Because look at all the trouble they're going to. And look how funny it is. And it, it's, I don't know, this one is just one of those things, one of those 21 minutes <laughs> of, <laughs> of people interacting that has always been stuck in my head. It's very Abbott and Costello in a way, a lot of their verbal wordplay. They're amazingly physically funny in it. They, they're really good at it. That's the thing. Like they're both delivering both the duds of lines and also there's some brilliant lines that are in there, like joke lines. And that's why I'm just, you know, that's why I wonder how old are they supposed to be and who is this show for? Yeah. Is it for the people who grew up with I Love Lucy? Is it for kids to discover I Love Lucy? Does it have nothing to do with I Love Lucy? Like, I, I, I don't know. But yeah, this episode them doing such a piss poor job explaining. I don't know. This was just the, the, some of the most enjoyable television I've ever watched, but it's the same fucking formula. You know, they're at the beginning, they're introduced to problem. You know, we got to make food for the girls, their cultures clash. And then there's a big lesson at the end. You know, the girls, like you said, are, are similar. It's like they're, they're the counterparts to the guys. So Larry's Jennifer, they have similarities and Balky and Marianne have similarities. So Marianne and Jennifer get into this fight. 
which you know, which Larry and Balky helped smooth over. And then by talking about Jennifer and Marianne, they acknowledge that the two of them, Larry and Balky, also have tensions. It's warm and everything, but there's the swelling of strings, and there's like, you know, it's just it's it's a weird play on emotion. It's formulaic, but yeah, I I can do I could I used to be able to do that week to week, and it was fine. Because it was like a little sitcom tucked in the middle of the week. This used to air, I think, on Wednesdays at 8 o'clock. And it wasn't a huge hit yet. You know, there were the big shows I knew. Hughes, The Boss, Growing Pains, Family Ties. Those were the big shows. This little show kind of folded into its spot, was doing different stuff. It was funny. It was entertaining. And I don't know. This was my show for a couple years. Nobody else. And I know I'm... It was it was like when Nate and nobody else was uh, was watching it. Is that well, the I mean that was probably my the, the feeling. Obviously, millions were watching no, it. The show. No, was a I know, kid. but just and I watched circle. it with my dad and stuff like that. But I felt well, I felt that way. I felt like this was yeah. Nate and I shared really these two episodes and an episode where they go skiing, which is a two parter. <laughs> we had those on tape, so we watched those a lot. Like an awful lot. I don't know. We weren't taping Growing Pains rewatching that. I mean, I did, but we weren't, weren't watching it together. We weren't taping cartoons and rewatching them. We were taping this part of the season of Perfect Strangers and just watching and rewatching it like it was our thing. And then, like, my dad was involved because he'd repeat all the catchphrases <laughs> and he he found it funny and all this yeah. stuff. And it is funny, but yeah, I don't know. This this was sort of the alternative. <laughs> to mainstream TV, perhaps. There was something to this show, Perfect Strangers. Maybe it was the physical comedy. I think some of it was they were adults. There weren't kids. Something to this that really felt like the underground to other sitcoms, which is dumb because it, it's it's a typical sitcom. It became part of the anchor of TGI Friday or whatever on ABC when it moved to that. Yeah. It became, I guess, more of a kid show. Was Did it become well, more of a kid just, show? Because I stopped yeah, watching it. I was just it. thinking it'd be interesting to go and watch some of the later season episodes to see how, how it changed because the, the way you're describing it as like this underground cult show – um, sort of, it sort of fits. I see what you're saying, but then, yeah, just like you said, you follow it up and it, it does become a considerable hit. And, uh, it, like you're saying, it anchors all these other shows. It has a spinoff, uh, which one is it? Full house? No, not full house. Family, Family matters. matters is a spinoff of this, exactly. I guess. Yeah. Which I had stopped watching it, but then eventually they get a job at a newspaper and, and then they become reporters yeah. and, that began losing my interest. And that's probably the next season, perhaps. Like, because Mr. Twinkasetti is gone. They get rid of, he gets written off the show. Yeah. Um, they don't work in that, they live in the same apartment, but they don't work in that same uh, basement shop. Jennifer and Marianne are suddenly living in the building as well. I don't think they were initially. But um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I think you're, because yeah, I think eventually this became just uh, another staple of, 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 programming yeah. of, of, of sitcom programming but there was something about watching a live action ernie and bert <laughs> watching two adults living on their own that was engaging to me as a kid that kept my attention i guess yeah and it seems for these couple of episodes and it seems like it it did a, a job and it, it put a subconscious seed in your mind of of what of what life was going to be like after after college with, with that first foray into the real world and living with a roommate, perhaps. I don't know. Is that a stretch? Like, do you see, is it, does that seem like a stretch? Am I just trying to make a topic out of this or a conversation? No, I mean, it, it might be a stretch, but it's not a, a very far stretch. It's, it's conceivable. Like, when did you realize that this is what people do? When did you first think, shit, man, I'm going <laughs> to have to live on my own someday? Oh, and how do I do that? Was that a thought? I don't of know yours? that it ever was a thought of mine. I, I don't know that I ever really looked that like getting far up to ahead. college and everything. Um, like like I was thinking about getting into college, but I and I was thinking about like there there must have been some sort of college roommate um, sense that I had. Uh, I don't think I would have gone into that completely blind. I'm trying to think of what that might have come from, but I. I it didn't come from Perfect Strangers, and life after college didn't quite hit until I was in college, and, and that's when I was thinking about and watching Friends and, and Seinfeld and thinking, you know, that's what life is going to be like. 
Um, but yeah, when I, when I was yeah, I guess Seinfeld maybe when I was that young, yeah. I don't think I was thinking about my adult living conditions. It's nice to call it adult. I think we were still <laughs> kids, judging from how poor I was with money. But I don't know. I just that's a weird thing, right? I because I, I can't either. I, I don't know when that transition hit. But the you know, like because for me growing up, you know, I had my brother, my sister, my mom, and my dad. We were all in that house. We all had our rooms. That were that's where we lived. That was reflected in most of the sitcoms. And then something like Night Court or Cheers, you rarely saw their houses. So that was like a job. That's how people interact at the job. But this idea of roommates, I mean, where I must have known that was where life was headed, but it's it's such that's a foreign concept to a ten year old. Yeah. To me anyways, yeah, as I a ten year old. I didn't get it. That should have been the pressure of that. And and yeah, so I don't know what I'm not sure what I was relating to on the show. I'm not sure what I ultimately thought of the two of them. Because yeah, I don't know when this idea of having to live somewhere hit. It hit before college. I know there was some anxiety about what happened, but I guess college, I was dorms is what I thought apartments would be like because yeah. that that's what I had. But I don't know. I, it's odd to me. It's just, it's always, it's odd to me now that as a kid, the characters I enjoyed watching most were adults. Yeah. You know, and adults. That's true. Problems. But these are childish adults, I guess. Yeah. I just, I don't know if this was a show for kids or a show for adults well, at this point. Yeah, I'll be honest. It's a show that after I watched this string of four episodes, I thought, this is something I could introduce the girls to. Uh, mm-hmm. Even even with the uh, the the sex in, in the second episode, you know, I, uh, we could get through that. That would go over their head. Um, but I really think, I think it was for a younger audience because that's my initial reaction of rewatching this is, um, oh, here's a show I can watch with the kids. Because I've been thinking about this too. My girls have started to, um, they're older, they're staying up a little later, they're seeing commercials and, and realizing this is programming that I can watch. Um, they've been asking to watch certain things uh, that I have no interest in. Um, Young Sheldon is one. Uh. And uh, there's another one that, that they keep seeing the advertisements for. Now I can't remember what it is, but it's like... Is it the Kevin James program? It is not the Kevin James program. It's Do another, you know the theme it's song that has the Kevin younger, James program? Younger kids. No, what is the theme song? I'm going to sing the entire theme okay. song to the Kevin James program. Because <laughs> they, they always have a cold open. I've watched it because it's on after Jeopardy, whatever night it's on. Okay. So I have seen it. It's a cold opening with... Two jokes normally. There's two jokes in the cold opening. Two solid laughs from the audience, and then it cuts to the title. Kevin can wait, and you hear in its entirety the vocalist to music go, "I'm just an ordinary guy," and that's it. Oh my gosh, that's the whole <laughs> thing. We were talking about theme songs and modern theme songs. That's it. Oh. That's what you get. Um, Kevin. Uh, can wait. Kevin can't wait to kill his wife, but can wait because he's just awful. It's an awful program. But um, so your daughters are curious in shows. Do you? But do you think they'd be curious in this? Um, to this to watch. This? Well, they actually did catch a little bit of one of the episodes. I was watching it after I had said goodnight to them, um, and their basic routine is to get out of bed numerous times. And so I was watching, I think it was the Dog on Blues, because it was pretty early on in the evening. And uh, my youngest, who is seven, almost eight, came out. And instead of like saying, oh, come on, go back to bed, I actually just let her sit there and watch it, because it involved a dog, and, and she was enamored. Um, and I really thought, oh, this is actually something they would like. Balky is silly. He's funny. They'd get a kick out of the way he says things. They'd get a kick out of the dance. They'd get a, I think they would like the show. And this is something I would watch with them. Um, they've I've asked them a few times since. They have zero interest in it. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, so um, sorry, perfect strangers. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe I'll put it on again and see if they're interested. Uh, but for yeah, I think they're still at the age where they're more interested in a show that involves a kid their age, like Young Sheldon, um, than they do these these adults they're they're not quite as old as as you and i were when we were watching it so not quite not quite oh, there okay. yet so what do you make of this show though 
I mean, are you are you going to watch more? You going to watch more Perfect Strangers? I, I might watch more Perfect Strangers. Yes, I kind of am interested, even if it's just for my own, you know, memories and 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 if if it's just like I remember it being, I kind of am interested in seeing where it went because I remember, like you're saying, they they went and and worked at the newspaper. I don't have a lot of memories of those episodes, um, so I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, I think to, I stopped yeah, watching. Yeah, to watch and and see. I remember there was. You know, uh, I, re- I remember what the set looked like. They were kind of in a basement. They had to go up some stairs to get to the elevator, which was weird to me. Yeah, they're in the mailroom. I think they, they worked in a mailroom. They're at yeah, the bottom. Literally. Because that's yeah. Larry's lot in life. <laughs> the show, they're very entertaining, and it did inhabit a spot of my life. But I'm wondering, this happened last week. Last week, um, I had the unfortunate... Um, <laughs> opportunity and if there are listeners to the show they had the unfortunate reciprocation of listening to me try to talk through Howard the Duck a movie actually from the same year from 1986 that I loved as a kid loved as a 10 year old was enamored with watched constantly and that's fine and it holds that place for me Perfect Strangers holds that place for me but maybe there's just not a lot to talk about some nostalgia you know, maybe there maybe there isn't much we can wring out of certain memories. And I don't know if that makes them more simplistic or if that sort of diminishes their impact. But I don't know. I enjoyed watching Perfect Strangers, but there's not yeah. much to talk about here. It's an example of, of something that, that had impact that I don't know if it did it's, have lasting it's To impact. me, now that you're kind of thinking about it like this, it just kind of hit me that it's sort of like – um, it's like a cover song in a way. It's like you hear a cover song for the first time. You've maybe never, you've never heard the original and you enjoy that cover song and it means a lot to you. It's, it's the first time you're hearing that song. It's great. That's a great song. And then eventually as you live your life, you hear the original and 10 to one, the original is better. Uh, Wait, are you saying I'm I Love Lucy is I'm better saying than this? Is that the original? Something along those lines. That that I Love Lucy and the shows that came before Perfect Strangers sort of honed honed what, I the, love uh, what the sitcom should be and could be. Um, and so we were introduced to it through through Perfect Strangers. It it affected us. We we latched onto it even for a short time. We liked it. Um, it had those uh, you know, that that stage setting that those older sitcoms, those originals had. And I think as we became aware of them, we kind of realized Perfect Strangers maybe wasn't necessarily as groundbreaking as and as uh, unique as maybe we felt it was at the time. And so, yeah, it's harder to come back to it. I thought going into this, it was either I was going to hate it, like it was going to be like childish and I was going to find some xenophobic offensiveness to it. Or that it was going to be exactly what I remembered and I'd adore it. And it would be so much fun. And yeah, I mean, it was neither. It was just, this is some nostalgia that doesn't trigger me. And that's weird. I know there's a lot like it, but I never think about it. It doesn't, you know, in the moment it did. But I can take or leave watching more of these. I'd probably enjoy them because, again, I think Marklin Baker who plays Larry is hilarious. Hilarious. But yeah, this is, it's almost mm. troubling. You know, I, it, it's, I, it's almost kind of like, well, if, if I'm not nostalgic for it, what is it? You know, why isn't this, I don't, you know, like I, I get why I'm into certain things. I get why they hit me. And it. this is one I don't, hmm. I guess not. It's, it's too complex a program. No, but, <laughs> but that bothers me a little. It bothers me to not, I guess, understand or not find the deeper meaning in Perfect Strangers. That's a dumb sentence because it doesn't have to mean any deeper meaning. But I just feel like for I was expecting more out of going back and watching these, I guess. And I don't know. I don't think it's an issue of watching them one after another versus a week between. I, I think it just doesn't. It's not bigger than I remember. Sure. And that's okay. I guess. And I think th- is that because that's I think, I think that's I think okay. What, there's a lot. What to I always want from the nostalgia. But there's a lot to experience in life, and it can't all 
um, reign true throughout your decades on on this earth. Uh, there's going to be some things that just are of the moment, and perhaps that's what this is. So do you think having it on Hulu, having the capacity to go back and watch, not just the ones I have on tape, but all of them, do you think that maybe is unnecessary? Do you think that maybe cheapens it or is that totally unrelated, harmless and probably good? I, I think it's harmless and good. I think it's it's perfectly fine to be there for those people that maybe it meant more to them than it ultimately meant to you and I. Um, and here I am still thinking perhaps – Perhaps I will see if my girls enjoy the show as much as I did as a kid. I don't know. I've got a uneasy bit of a letdown feeling from this, um, which is too bad. Perhaps if I had picked uh, different episodes. But you picked my favorite episode. But, but maybe <laughs> the, the, that's the one where they make dinner. Maybe that's the issue. Maybe I, I should have picked one that wasn't as memorable to you. Maybe it would have had a different effect. Probably not. Know. Probably not. No, because ultimately it's like, why look for such deep meaning in this, Tim? The show is exactly what it is. It didn't take four episodes for me to remember the formula. It took one, you know, and it, it's, it all came back to me. It all resonated and I remembered it. But yeah, it just doesn't, doesn't have the psychological pop whatever that I thought it would. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe I do that too often. Maybe I try to ascribe that's not the right use of the word too much to any little thing I can remember, you know, because I can catalog it because it is on Hulu because it is on tape. Other people can now revisit it. I got to get to it first and say, remember this, this was important to me. I have to act like perfect strangers is important to me just in case you don't like it. Or just in case you find something I don't know about. It's weird. There's weird ownership in this twisted viewing of nostalgia. <sighs> you okay? You gonna be all right? I'll be fine. I wish I had some strings to cue up, <laughs> and maybe you could use a little symbolism to, about how, even though our podcast with the girls didn't go as planned, maybe just the fact that we did the podcast—I don't know—I've got nothing. No, that's I've got good. nothing. No, that's good. We Weird. did. It. We we've come to the end. We we. we we completed our goal here, Tim. That's, that's a good thing. It's a great goal. <laughs> it's a good goal to have. Oh, that's the show, everyone. We blew off the that's cobwebs. The... We blew that dust off, Tim. I, and, and inhaled some noxious <laughs> venom. But, you know, hopefully it's not terminal and we'll be back <laughs> next week. And uh, when we do, you can check us out. Uh, check us out at 20popcast.com. That's the main website for the podcast. It always has the most recent episode up on the front page. Plus, you can listen to all of our past episodes. Um, if you do listen to those episodes, if you do like those episodes, uh, we'd like to know what you think. You know, you can drop us a line on the website at Pop Talk. Just let us know. You know what, what you like about the show, what could be better about the show. And if you do enjoy the show and you listen to us on iTunes, or if you do enjoy the show and you listen to us on Stitcher Radio, if you could give us a little review on those sites. Um, I know some of the apps make it very easy to get to those pages where you can just click over to write a review, give us star ratings or whatever. Those things do help. Um, we've got a couple nice reviews up already, which I appreciate. And so if you do like the show and you want to help us out, that would be a big help out for us. Bob, do you want to add to any of that? Uh, sure, sure. Um, I, I would say the reviews don't have to be very long. You don't have to take a lot of time out of your life. Just a quick little, little couple sentences. So thank you for that. Um, if you want to, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at RH Canning. And Tim, do you want people following you as well? Yeah, I'm at Subcultist. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to amend one thing oh, you said. They just gave us a lot more characters on Twitter. They've doubled the amount we can do. So I would say, do the same for your reviews. Yes, they have to be long. They have to be involved. Really, put in some long thought and time to this. Make it something to slog through. Please do that. Please. That's a good idea, Tim. No, Is that good? good? That's a great idea. Well, <laughs> I'm going to say this, and maybe the listeners don't agree. I'm glad you're back. <laughs> the show really needs you. The, the listeners will agree with that. I don't know if you, don't know if you agree, gonna... but thanks, Tim. No, I totally agree. I just, it, it's, good to, it's good to talk to you again. 
and it's good to be having the show back on a two-host path because that, and then not just any host, but you as the host. Thank you, Thank Bob. You, I'm glad you're back. All right, uh, but that's this week's show. Next week will uh, will sound probably a little more like <laughs> this, or maybe like this. I, I don't know. Well, but we'll be back. You'll hear us next week. Um, do you have anything you want to add? Catchphrase? Anything of your own? No, that's fine. You can add that. That's Catchphrase. Fine. You're the devil in disguise. That's why I'm singing this song to you. I'm going to take one more sip of this tea off the microphone. And I burnt myself. Okay. That's okay. I just, I didn't want us to make any swallow sounds. So I was being very careful. It fell out of my mouth. So I think just sipping it is the way to go. Yes. I'm not your ordinary.